From WXCI 91.7 in Danbury, this is Public Reading Club, a radio program dedicated to discussions about books, writing, reading with writers and book people. Your host is Matt Caputo. Thanks for joining us again. It's been really fun putting these episodes together. And this week's guest is absolutely one of my all-time favorite writers. Lawrence Block has been writing crime, mystery, and suspense fiction for more than half a century. Uh, He's probably published a hundred books or more and... Uh, you know, endless amount of short stories uh, starting in the 1950s. And he came on today to discuss his newest book called The Autobiography of Matthew Scudder. And it's a special um, addition to the Matthew Scudder crime novel series that he wrote uh, about 19 books of uh, starting in 1976 Uh, one of them A Walk Among the Tombstones became a pretty popular kind of Netflix on demand streaming movie uh, with Liam Neeson which I really enjoyed and he enjoyed it Um, but he's got tons of great books in the Matthew Scudder series Uh, my favorite one is uh, a book called Out on the Cutting Edge and it involves a missing female and the kind of maze around New York City required to find such a person uh, that's kind of disappeared and possibly using a fake name and uh, it's that type of you know hard scrabble tale uh, that Lawrence Block has just been so effective and, and really so prolific at writing uh, over the years. I love every single Matthew Scudder novel. Uh, one of the most popular ones is called Eight Million Ways to Die. And that became a movie that didn't quite, um, you know, for many reasons, really didn't uh, resemble what the Matthew Scudder series uh, was all about. It was kind of miscast, and uh, the location was was incorrect. It was set in Los Angeles, and Scudder is very much a uh, New York, uh, you know, being and somebody that exists mostly uh, in Manhattan and uh, kind of traveling about the outer boroughs there's very little doubt in my mind that uh, this is one of the greatest living writers today and just to have him come on here to speak to us not only about his new book the autobiography of Matthew Scudder which is available for pre-order now and uh, will be out in June um he did get a chance to talk about a little bit about some of my favorite of his books and one book that has a local connection to Danbury, Connecticut, where we do the show from WXCI uh, 91.7 on FM and streaming on 
WXCI.org. But I've just been a fan of his work for so long that um, I think one of the reasons uh, we're here today is because I wanted to talk to writers like him, learn about their experiences. He had a lot of ups and downs, and I still don't believe that enough of his work has been uh, attempted to be made as a film. I think uh, they're they're good enough, and they're, they're, they're better stories than uh, maybe we see um, in, in the movie format quite often. So, without much further ado, um, I'm going to introduce you to Lawrence Block, but I also want you to be aware that you can follow Public Reading Club on Instagram, at Public Reading Club. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can find us on there. And you can also email us book recommendations at thepublicreadingclub at gmail.com. And this is so important um, because we really do want to hear from you, the readers, and we want to know what you read. And especially if you read a book by somebody that was interviewed on the show, we'd really love to hear uh, what your impressions of the book were and if you'd be interested in uh, reading more of that author or whatnot. It, this is all about reading. Uh, this will probably be one of our shorter shows. Uh, we are trying to mix up the guests a little bit, but I wanted to take the special opportunity uh, to speak to Lawrence Block, who's um, been just an absolute hero of mine. At 84 years old, uh, he'll be releasing uh, the what is, I guess, the 20th, uh, Matthew Scudder book on June 24th um, his 85th birthday so it, it's just amazing to be uh, on a chat with Lawrence Block knowing how much time he's put into writing uh, he's given some great interviews if you go on YouTube if you look up his uh, his great book, A Writer Prepares, it's kind of a writing memoir that has a lot of great insight. Um, he started back in the days when, uh, you know, writers made their living with kind of pulpy and even kind of, uh, you know, soft adult literature, if you will, uh, for mass market paperback industry. And... It's just great to connect with a writer like that. You know, I think today, um, especially through the years, there was a lot of money at one point in magazine writing and, um, you know, other things like that. You know, novelists that um, kind of also wrote profiles for magazines or they also did some type of journalism in the New York Times, let's say. Lawrence Block has, and we talk about it briefly, he has been a fiction writer uh, from the 1950s writing under pseudonyms and uh, if you're interested in reading more of his work a great place to start is uh, the Matthew Scudder series and you can go on from there by, to some of the great stuff by him that has been published by Hard Case Crime and uh, ultimately uh, we're just excited to have a guest like this come on 
and we hope you enjoy the interview. So, uh, again, guys, know where to follow us. You know how to reach out to us. We'd love to hear about the books you're reading. So send us a line at any time. Be well, and I'll see you at the bottom of the show. How are you today, Mr. Block? Okay. It's good to see you. Um, I think this radio show, which we've done for just a few episodes now, I think it was just an excuse to interview you, to be <laughs> to be 100% honest. I, I, I really love all your work, and uh, I, I am from that old New York that you write about. That's where I grew up. I'm from Elmhurst, Queens, uh, originally, and uh, I, I can see... You know, sometimes when you wrote about uh, little motels on Queens Boulevard, like I know exactly where they are, even though you don't know where they are, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, there's just so much of your work that's so poignant. And I'm just so grateful to be to be here speaking with you today, sir. Well, well, thanks very much. And let's just uh, relax and have fun. It's great to have you on the show here. Public Reading Club from WXCI 91.7. Um, uh, we're among one of the greatest crime fiction writers of all time uh, on our show today, and it's it's just a pleasure to have Mr. Lawrence Block here with us. What are you up to these days outside of writing? Are you doing any walking still? Nothing much. I uh, I'm taking it pretty easy. I get to the gym about three times a week, and that keeps me going. That's good to hear. Uh, before we get into the new book, I kind of wanted to. I I was always curious about your your early years as a writer, which are, uh, some of which is chronicled in the, in the great memoir, a writer prepares, but you know, what was your earliest um, experiences with being, being drawn towards writing? Well, um, I had no thought of writing as something I would want to do or that anybody did really until uh, my third year in, uh, in high school. When I began, uh, I was really enjoying uh, writing the compositions required for English class and got a lot of encouragement from the, the teacher. And I, I began to write things with a certain amount of, ma of imagination to them. And then one, I, I talked about uh, various career thoughts I'd had over the, over the years of what I might want to be. And ruled out one after the other. And at, at the end, I said, one thing reading over this composition, one thing that's abundantly clear to me, I may not have phrased it quite that way, is that uh, is that I can never be a writer. And uh, and the teacher wrote in the margin, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> and that was the first time the idea of being a writer had ever occurred to me. And uh, that was it. From uh, immediately, I thought, "Yes, that's what I'll do," and so on, and and everything followed. And didn't take very long, as you know. Did you seek kind of formal writing training in the college years? Well, I took a, a class, but um, I was already really uh, busy writing, and I. The, the the class I took a, the workshop at Antioch College with uh, with Nolan Miller, he was the professor there. Very nice old um, fellow, and uh, and that was uh, 
gave me a specific time uh, every year uh, to to do something. I I just made sure I I handed in something every week, which nobody else did. And uh, <laughs> but uh, you know that was in my second year there, and my third year I wasn't there. I uh, over the summer got a, a job at uh, a literary agency in New York. And saw right away that I was going to learn more there than probably than any any other situation in the world, actually, but certainly more than going back to school. And it was not an opportunity I was willing to give up. So I, I dropped out of college and stayed there. And while I was there, I was writing and selling a, a fair amount of what I wrote. And uh, and that that was it. I did go back to school for a year after uh, after a year at the agency, and um, it was really how you're going to keep down on the farm. Uh, I was busy writing. That really was what I prioritized. That anticipation. So I uh, I didn't pay much attention to my studies. <laughs> And and at the end of a, of a third year there, the school said, let me know that they they thought I'd be happier elsewhere. And I <laughs> thought, my God, how pers- perspicacious of them! I I would be much happier elsewhere. And I've been uh, I've been a freelance writer ever since. That's amazing. You know, um, I I kind of wanted to ask you a couple questions about that that I always wondered over the years. Did you do? Um, obviously you you wrote in a time where there was a huge market for short fiction and, and, and um, different length kind of novels and, and, and whatnot, but did you ever do any sports writing or newspaper writing, anything like that? No, not really. Uh, no, I, uh, um, the year that I returned to college uh, for, for my third year, I did uh, edit the uh, uh, college newspaper there for a, a period of uh, Oh, uh, three months was was the terms that one had, and I I did that for three months, um, and that was uh, in- interesting and all that. But throughout this time, I was writing for I was writing for fiction for publication, and uh, and that's what really what I've done ever since. I don't know if anybody's asked you about this before or if you can even recall it because I, I I'm I'm sure it gets difficult, but do you remember your very first published story? Do you remember that whatever it was? You don't have to say the what the actual angle was, but do you remember the feeling? Oh sure. I uh I remember the story. In fact, the story is still available. It's uh it's in my uh, a couple of my collections, especially the uh it's easiest to find in my uh, <clears throat> oh, omnibus collection called Enough Row, and it's a story called You Can't Lose, and it, it sold to uh, to Manhunt Magazine, and I think appeared in, I think early '58. I'm not sure. Wow, 1958. When you started writing, um, back in the '50s, can you tell our audience we have a lot of MFA students who listen and people that are writing in all types of genres, but could, could you speak to them a little bit about what the market for creative fiction was like back then in the 50s? Well, um, 
it wasn't a piece of cake. It it it, it wasn't that uh, that easy. Um, I don't think. I don't think professionalism in the arts is is an artistic career of any sort is ever easy. The threshold is always high. There are always far more people who want to do it than are going to be able to. And um, and it, it was that way then, and it's uh, it's that way now. Uh, now it's oh, there's more hoops to jump through now i gather i don't know very much about what it's like to start out now because i i started out uh 65 years ago whatever <laughs> but um but uh it's it's always difficult and it's supposed to be difficult what it was like then uh i don't know i uh wrote stories and sent them to magazines and 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 told uh that they got tired of sending them back, <laughs> and uh, and there were markets that were receptive. In one sense, it's much easier now because anybody can be published because of the miracle of self-publishing, which is what I've done in recent years with virtually all of my books. Um, I'll frequently have uh, a deluxe edition. Uh, published with Subterranean Press or or another small press publisher, but for the paperback and uh, and the ebook, um, I'm uh, more comfortable just publishing myself. And uh, I'm not saying that this is the road to riches by any any means, but it's it's a possibility. Now I have. Uh, the advantage of having a certain number of people who are interested in what I write or at least recognize uh, recognize my byline. Whereas for someone who's, who starts out, it's it's not, uh, they don't have that edge going for them. But there are people now who are writing uh, and publishing themselves and making, uh, you know, a better living at it than I am. You know, and they're doing just fine. So it's... Uh, it's an interesting time. Um, I suspect that's. Uh, I suspect all times are interesting, but this one certainly is. You've definitely been through uh, a lot of times as a writer and, and with different experiences. Lawrence Block with us on Public Reading Club ninety one point seven Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, Mr. Block, I wanted to ask you: When did you feel like you committed to the crime genre? that you're really so well known for? Because I feel like maybe you played with a few different things before that. I feel like the character of Evan Tanner is completely different from Scudder. And I believe Tanner appeared before him, right? Uh, yes, yes. But um, that was all uh, in the the overall uh, crime fiction uh, genre, uh, spy, crime, whatever. Um, but um, Tanner's more of a spy. Yeah, Ken is uh, sort of a unacknowledged freelance spy, but it, it an interesting character, an interesting character for me to write. Um, but uh, I don't know when I committed to anything. I was I've written books throughout that have not been in the field of crime fiction. Um, 
what happened, I, and I didn't set out initially with a, a goal of being a crime writer. I just wanted uh, to be able to write things that people would read and want to publish. Um, and I suppose, given the right encouragement at the right time, I could have uh, wound up uh, writing seed catalog copy instead. But this is the way it went. Uh, actually, in the early years, I just found out empirically that the work of mine that seemed to uh, be the best and the most satisfying was in the overall field of crime fiction, which is a, a very broad canopy crime fiction. Uh, all it really re requires, I know Otto Pensley's definition of a, a mystery is any any book in which a crime or the threat of a crime is central to the plot. That's all. Uh, Otto Penzler, owner of a mysterious bookshop in New York City, uh, prolific editor and also nearby resident to Danbury, I believe. I believe he lives outside town here a little bit. Um, so um, I want to we're going to go into the, the autobiography of Matthew Scudder, which is great. It's a it's a really fun addition to the Scudder library, if you will. If you're a Matthew Scudder fan, this is a must read. I, I really must say I enjoyed it. But I want to ask you about two books. Uh, that that come to mind right at the second. The first book uh, I discovered during the pandemic. And I've got to tell you that it meant so much to me at the time because the only thing I could do was get up very early and walk. And the book is Random Walk. And if you could just, sir, just give us like, tell us for a minute what random, what, what inspired you to write Random Walk? And if you could kind of just summarize it a little bit for the audience listening. Well, Random Walk is... Um, this is one of my favorite Lawrence Block books. Thank you. It's it's an an atypical book uh, for me or, or probably for anyone. Um, and I know when I was doing a lot of uh, tours with books... Um, I knew right away if someone came up and said, you know, there, I, I like your work generally, but there's one book of yours that just changed my life. And I read it 15 times and I want a t-shirt that was, you know, that, that kind <laughs> of reaction. Uh, he was very likely going to be talking about Random Walk. And at the same time, if someone came up and said, you know, I've I've been a big fan of yours, but there was one book you wrote, and I couldn't make head or tails out uh, tails out of it. And I I don't know what the hell you had in mind, but it's, it certainly didn't work for me. And that once again, he'd be talking about Random Walk. It was a, a curious book, and the circumstances of its creation were were curious. I was not sure what I was going to write. I had booked for the first time ever for me. I'd booked uh, uh, myself into a writer's colony in Virginia for a month. Wow. And I didn't know what I was going to write when I got there. And the, the date was fast approaching, and I, I just figured I would see what, what happened. And then I got, I won't call it a vision, but I got, I got an impression, a thought of 
someone starting to walk across the country and people joining in and ideas for the book began happening for me. And some of them seemed as though they didn't all belong in the same book. There's a, a serial killer in it, a, a, an unassuming guy in the real estate business in Kansas who uh, suddenly discovers that he gets an awful lot of satisfaction about out of killing women, and which he goes on to do intermittently. Meanwhile, a guy in uh, Roseburg, Oregon, a bartender there, quits his job or walks away from his job and starts walking east across the country and walk just starts out by walking over the Cascades. And people tend to join in and the group begins to generate a sort of group energy and remarkable things begin to occur. And I can't really effectively say very much more about it but it was an extraordinary experience uh, from an absolute standing start. You know, two weeks after I got the idea for it, I was in hold up in Virginia and I was writing 20 pages a day of this. And after 23, 24 days, something like that, I had a book and that was that. I mean, your, your production has always amazed me, but, but something I've really kind of wanted to ask you is, are you a writer that, do you need that solitude? Do you need the windows closed and, you know, noises off throughout the house? Or do, do, do you need to be it? Because we have um, here at uh, Western Connecticut State, we have an MFA program. And some of the writers go out to the Highlights Foundation in in the Pocono Mountains and they do some writing in solitude out there during the summer. Are you, do, could you give us some insight into how you work when you're doing something like that? Well, um, I've frequently over the years had a penchant for going away to work and holding up somewhere. I've worked frequently at writers' colonies, uh, primarily the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts and Ragdale in Illinois. But I've also just gone and taken an Airbnb place somewhere or a hotel room before that and just hold up and, and worked. And it it seemed to work uh, for me. Um, but nowadays, I, I'm not inclined for that, that kind of uh, session. And what work I've done in recent years, I've just done at home, um, working primarily mornings when I can. Um, age takes its toll. And uh, one thing I've noticed is that I can't work as long or as rapidly as I used to, which is fine because I'm also not much inclined to. So you've, you've done so much work. I, I, and uh, I'm so grateful for this conversation today. I want to, do you have a lot of novels that just never made it out? I mean, either, either by your own, standards or by the publishing industry's kind of uh you know fickle fickle nature you know is, is there stuff that's still unpublished from you oh no 
if there were and I liked it, I would self-publish it. But but no, not, not, there's nothing like that. There have been a lot of books that uh, didn't get finished over the years because uh, for one reason or another. Yeah. That that have been abandoned, but there's no nothing lying in the trunk that wishes it could be uh, published. As bad as Craig Ferguson wishes, huh? Uh, there you there's go. not a scutter out there. Uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about one more book, and it has to do with our locality here in Danbury. I know we emailed about it just quickly, but can you just clarify that thing about Sinnerman and Danbury? Because I wanted to get like some statue uh, made up here, and I just didn't know where we would put it. But I guess I guess it was more of a, a kind of a, just picked a random place on the map, huh? I, I I really did. Uh, Danbury, rather uh, Sinnerman is uh, arguably my my uh, my first uh, crime novel as such, uh, though it was a while getting published. But Sinnerman uh, uh, is about a guy who inadvertently essentially kills his wife. He gives her a smack, <laughs> and she winds up dead. Is what was what happens. And rather than call the police or the hospital or anything else, he leaves town and reinvents himself as a, a hoodlum uh, 500 miles away or whatever. And, um, and the book takes place really in Buffalo, which is a city I know, knew, knew reasonably well then, having grown up there. And I think I was probably living there when I wrote Center Man, but I'm not I'm not positive. I don't remember wow. that all that clearly. But uh, you know, he had to start somewhere. And uh so I I picked Danbury, which was a city that I'd never been to and knew virtually nothing about. <laughs> um and that's all I I think I've still never been to Danbury, but um and it's unlikely I'll make a trip. Well, if you live in New York, then listen, there's still uh, one guy up here that's hoping against hope we'll get you up here to do some reading or something <laughs> one day. But, you know, um, 1976, you published The Sins of the Father, and I remember reading that for the first time, and uh, there are just parts of it that are chilling, and uh, certainly the ending is just unbelievable and will stick with me pretty much for the rest of my life. I wanted to know where you were at that point in your life. Cause this is a, this is a huge, um, I think publishing the, the sins of the fathers would be a huge turning point for any working writer, because this, this is, this leads you to one of your most famous characters, you know? Well, the sins of the fathers, which indeed came out in 1976, uh, was, uh, the first book I wrote about Matthew Scudder and, um, in June, I'll be publishing the 20th, really, uh, the autobiography of Matthew Scudder. But to, to talk about the origin, um, it, it, it was a, a character that, that came to me. It was, uh, it was at the suggestion, uh, obliquely at the suggestion of uh, my agent at the time, who said he thought I should develop uh, a paperback series about a tough cop. And 
I thought about it some and decided that an ex-cop would be more more the sort of thing I would want to write because I didn't really uh, want to want it to be a police procedural. I like I like those very much, especially when uh, my old friend Evan Hunter did them as Ed McBain. But uh, it, that was not my kind of thing, and I I felt more comfortable with the character who was not part of an organization. And uh, and I wrote the first three books in the Scudder series, one right after the other, and. Dell did not do well with them. Dell, that was during a Dell, they were contracted for by uh, an editor named Bill Gross at Dell Publishing. And Dell was going through uh, strange changes at the time, and the books didn't get distributed effectively. And while they people who read them liked them well enough, they didn't sell much. And I, I figured the series was done, and I'd never write about Scudder again. I wouldn't be able to. Wow. But that's not what happened. Um, as we can see, long story short, I've returned to the series many times over the years. And uh, most recently, well, uh, coming out in June, on June 24th, on my birthday, uh, was the autobiography of Matthew Scudder, which is a departure for me, a departure for Scudder, and I think a departure generally, because as far as I know, no one has ever really done this before. Here's a, a character who has been the the uh, first person narrator of, as I said, 19 books to date, which includes uh, 18 novels and uh, and some short fiction. And uh, and this is a book, the premise of which is that I, Lawrence Block, have been asked to write a book about Matthew Scudder, that it's not my inclination to do this, that that I don't like to talk about my characters as such from a distance, and that uh, I decided that the best way to handle this chore would be to turn it over to Scudder himself and invite him to write his autobiography. Um, So we have here the purported autobiography of uh, a long-standing established fictional character. Now, as far as I know, only one person uh, attempted this. I found out after I'd written my book, I found out that... uh, George Simenon had written uh, uh, a memoir of Magray's, the French policeman who was his uh, most prominent character. And uh, and so I read that to see what he'd done. And um, I don't like to throw shade at an author I greatly admire like Simenon, but this book didn't amount to much. Uh, it 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 was it wasn't really very good. I, he dashed it off, I think, with one hand and one eye closed. But uh, I I found uh, 
I found Scudder's autobiography uh, fascinating to write, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes over with uh, with readers. I think um, I doubt it'll be of enormous interest to people who aren't already fans of the series. But uh, for them, uh, the ones that I've tested it on have uh, reacted very, very positively. It's not about cases. It's not about any crime being solved. It's about Scudder's life, what goes on between the books and before the books uh, get started. There's a lot about chance encounters with people and how it shaped his life and um, different relationships that he forged. A lot of people were introduced to Matthew Scudder the first time through the Liam Neeson film A Walk Among the Tombstones. Would you call this autobiography of Matthew Scudder a prequel? No, I wouldn't. Um, I'd call it the autobiography of this particular fictional character. How long did it take you to write this? Oh, gee, I... I don't know, a couple of months, I think. Not a tremendously long time, but a, a few months. Was there was there any real spur? Did you say to yourself, if was there any one thing that may be happening in the world or whatever that said, hey, you know, maybe I could release this type of book about Scudder and and it would lead to a whole new story? Was there was there anything that kind of pushed you into this direction? It's it's exactly really as described by the in, in the in, uh, introductory remarks in the book. Uh, someone wanted me to write a uh, a short piece, uh, really about Matthew Scudder, and this was my response to the request. How do you feel like? Um... Until then, I did not a not a thought in the world about uh, doing anything like this. Still no wanting to do another Scudder mystery, huh? Oh, at this point, um, I think I'm probably done writing. Now, I've said that before. Yeah. And the, uh, it, on, more, on more than one occasion. You always say that when you're promoting a new book. Huh? <laughs> you always yeah, say that, that when you're promoting that, that has indeed happened uh, uh, over the past five years or so, uh, I, it seemed to me that, that it would be unlikely that I would write another novel and, and I would do so. But um, it seems highly unlikely now. And I'm, I'm certainly not, I'm not taking vows renouncing uh, the profession. I would be um, happy to be wrong about this as I have been in the past. But um, we'll we'll see. I, I'm also comfortable with the idea that the autobiography of Matthew Scudder may be the last book that I write. That that's fine with me. I think it's a a decent one to go out on. So how, however it works is uh, is fine. I'm really I'm really enjoying it, and um, you know, recently I saw Liam Neeson in the Marlowe movie, which is really nothing like anything Raymond Chandler wrote, and it's obviously written by another writer who was continuing um, the Marlowe thing. I wanted to ask you if is there any 
interest in in continuing Scudder in a different medium that that you've discussed or you've been open to in the last few years? Any any interest in a limited series or some type of new Scudder movie or anything like that from the outside oh, world? Oh, oh, periodically there's some interest in that, and it, generally nothing comes of it. Um, the whole world of uh, of visual media is a very different one. I mean, A Walk Among the Tombstones, which you mentioned, was a film released in 2014, uh, written and directed by Scott Frank and starring Liam Neeson, who I I thought did uh, a very, very commendable uh, job of being Scudder in the film. Um, But that's a book that I wrote in... Oh, I think around 1992 or three or something, uh, early early 90s. It's a book that Scott Frank optioned and uh, started trying to make a film from in 1998. Wow. And it took 16 years before something wound up on the screen. 1992, you wrote the book, or it was published. Yeah, that sounds right. And so it, it, all of this takes an astonishing amount of time. Um, and things that, that look as though they were obvious can't-miss successes, uh, you know, you'd find out in retrospect that they took forever. ER would which only ran on TV for a million years and, and, and did superbly and everything and how could it miss and um and uh, and that and it was twenty years from proposal to getting on the air. Yeah. Things take a, a lot of time and most of the most things don't materialize. Well I you know I, if I sit down and I write a book, I can do so with the reasonably certain knowledge that if I finish it it's going to be public. Did you did you uh, with a film you have nothing like that? Well, yeah, you know what it is? It's I, I'm one of those people that I, I feel like I'm I may be like Craig Ferguson a bit. I love Scudder and I really care about him. And I think that you know what would be great is I mean, if somebody were to create a limited series or some more movies about Scudder, it would be great. People are actually totally nostalgic for the old New York. I hear about it all the time. I mean, it's it's practically a commodity these days, you know. So the the point I'm trying to say is I I think that a character like Scudder is great and I would really hope that someday soon somebody comes along because that would reintroduce a lot of people to the books themselves and people would get really curious uh about the books. Just tell us one more one more time about when it's going to come out. It drops on your birthday and uh, I think there's some pre-order information too, right? Yes, there is. Um, there's a, if you uh, search for it at any uh, of the online booksellers like Amazon or Barnes & Noble, you'll uh, find that, that you can indeed pre-order it. You can. Uh, it'll be coming out on June 24th um, in paperback and, uh, and e-book. And there will be a... Uh, uh, limited hardcover edition from subterranean press probably sometime in the fall wow uh the uh the <clears throat> title as i said is the autobiography of matthew scudder 
And anyone who wants to can go to my website, www.lawrenceblock.com, and read the first, uh, oh, about 3,000 words of it, which is about 10% of the book. I've, I've published it there uh, on a page that's called The Autobiography of Matthew Scudder, A Preview. And it's it's a page on my website. And if you have uh, <clears throat> the skills of a seven-year-old, you can go, <laughs> go there and, and find it. And uh, that really is the best way I've been able to think of to let people know whether or not they want this is something they want to read. You know, here's here's 10% of the book or 5% of the book, whatever the hell it is, read it and, and see what you think. Right before we go, uh, we do have so many students that do listen to the program that are in the MFA program. Uh, I, I always recommend a writer prepares to them. Is there any is there any nugget that you want to pass on? Some some little thing that you know is true about writing uh, that that you might want to use as some encouragement to some of the students here. Sure, write to please yourself. Period. Wow, that, that that's all. Um, that way, there's a chance that you'll please yourself, and you may even please somebody else. But um, that, that's that's really the the simplest way. Also, uh, that I would say to anybody starting out in the business is don't expect too much. Lawrence Block with us on Public Reading Club on WXCI 91.7 in Danbury, Connecticut. Mr. Block, it's, it's really been a pleasure to have you here. I probably could have asked you a hundred more questions that would have just annoyed you. But, Thank God you didn't. But, but, but uh, it, it was just really great to have you here today. I, I mean, uh, if, if, if you ever, if you ever would like to come up here and do some reading for the students, we could certainly make that happen for you. Uh, and, and just to get you here, because it's, uh, it's an honor to talk to you. You've, you've inspired so many writers and, and me, myself, and, uh, it, it, I, I, I really hope we get one more Scudder book, but if not, I, I know I'm going to spend, uh, a long time, uh, valuing what is there. Well, thank you very much. You made this a pleasure. Back here on WXCI 91.7 Danbury radio. That was just great to chat with Lawrence block. He's been an inspiration to me for many, many years. And like I said, on the broadcast, I could have totally uh, asked the guy a hundred questions and, and spoken to him uh, just at greater length. You know, there's so many books I wanted to ask him about. He, he uh, is excited about the autobiography of Matthew Scudder as I am. And I am looking forward to getting a, uh, paperback or a limited edition hardcover of that um it's really something to you know i think it just speaks to the power of radio and the power of podcasting these days where you know we just started this show uh, myself help from pat Fernet, uh you know basic help uh, in terms of getting a great logo made from uh, dom alessandro and you know within just a few episodes uh, we're talking about the fifth episode here we uh, have a legend like Lawrence Block coming on. And that's that's really special, and that's something that uh, is going to stay with me for a long time. Uh, he, he wrote many great books about the the New York that I love, and, you know, it, it really kind of seemed like the New York that uh, I grew up in uh, at times because uh, Scudder ages in real time, and uh, there's 
they reminded me a lot of kind of the corners and the alleyways and the um you know the the afternoon alcoholics bars uh, of the of the Queens New York that I grew up in so uh great to have Lawrence Block on the show a prolific writer if you haven't read uh, any of the Scudder books obviously uh, 8 Million Ways to Die is a very popular one and A Walk Among the Tombstones was kind of given a second life um, and was ultimately reprinted uh, by Hard Case Crime in a special edition um, but uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones is also good but you should really start with The Sins of the Fathers uh, it's a gripping book. It it um, you know there it's from a different time, but that the story is just just as uh, it's just as taking, and I really think that uh, once you get into the Scudder books, you want to keep going. I know uh, just a few years ago during the pandemic times, I probably went through six or seven in a clip. Uh, before I got uh, kind of back to work and, and, and stuff like that. So it was really great to have Lawrence Block on. We're going to have more crime uh, fiction writers come on the show. It's a favorite genre of mine. I hope to have a few uh, narrators and other journalists come on the show. It would be great, but I think it's a genre you can uh, pretty much be sure if, if we can get them on the show one way or another. Um, we're going to do that April 12th we're going to have a interview with uh, Reed Farrell Coleman that will run uh, pardon me the following weekend so uh, middle of April we'll, we'll, we'll be back with a new episode after this one uh, with Reed Farrell Coleman who has a new book coming out called uh, Sleepless City and it's the start of a new series so I'm excited to have him uh, you know coming on the show but yes uh, we're going to continue with the tradition that we've started and I want to make this abundantly clear to anybody that may be listening even though I know we have a very small audience uh, if you want to recommend a book if you're listening to this show just DM us on Instagram at public reading club the public reading club at gmail.com this is another place where you can be in touch with us I don't get any emails on there it's just the way things are but I can tell you that I do check it and I'd be happy to you know uh, read a book recommendation that comes from anywhere and I'd also like to encourage people to send me uh, more recommendations especially for local authors in the Connecticut area somebody promoting a new book new project they've worked on people come up from New York all the time to be on the show uh, we've had uh, as a matter of fact, I think of the four episodes we have had in studio, um, at least, yeah, three uh, traveled from out of state, New York and New Jersey, and we had one uh, episode was totally local with Brianna McGuckin and Anthony Dearis. But we, yeah, I I love when people come in the studio. Hopefully next semester in the fall, I'm going to have an event, uh, perhaps at Charter Oak Brewing in Danbury, where uh, some of the writers we've had on this show can come and promote their latest project, can come sell books if that's what they're doing at, at this moment. I'm open to that. Uh, I'm also very much interested in submissions 
from writers of short stories that maybe take 10 to 15 minutes to read that they'd either like to read live in the studio or they want to submit a recording of themselves uh, reading that, that particular story. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm open to different genres. We'd love to read, uh, have something read uh, that was recently published by perhaps a Westcon MFA student, any other local writer, but anybody. Um, I, I encourage uh, anybody who comes on the show to read when they can, and uh, that that is something we'd like to do more of also. And that, well, like I said, we're going to continue with the great tradition that we've already started of users submitted uh, book recommendations. And I have to tell you, this guy, Eugene Kehoe, uh, gentleman, is uh, he's definitely passionate about reading, um, and he's been sending us voicemails. So we're going to continue to play those. But don't be shy. If your friend uh, wrote a book and you want to tell us about it uh, in a recommendation form, uh, either via email or you want to send us a voicemail at 917-692-9605 you can do that Um, anything you want you can you can voice record yourself on your phone and just send us the file at the public reading club at gmail.com might be the easiest way Um, so just just keep in mind any genre anything like that um, I'd be excited to have you on so I hope you enjoyed the interview today with Lawrence Block I know I did and I can tell you that what we want to do is get more participation so please send us some book recommendations right now here's the latest book recommendation from Mr. Eugene Kehoe hello this is uh, Eugene Kehoe drinking a lot and you know I like books and stuff and you know Matt, what's with your voice, man? You, you seem a little monotone and a little, you know, taking it down a couple of levels from your podcast and the hat tricks. And I'm just wondering about that. It's pretty sexy, actually. I couldn't bear mind, you know. But um, uh, I found a book sitting around one of the lounges, and it, it's actually pretty good. It's called Beneath the Scarlet Sky by Mark Sullivan. Uh, it's set in World War II in Italy under Mussolini. A uh, kid turns into a driver, drives a Nazi general around. He never drove drunk. And I can't say the same here, Matt, Matt Hat. Uh, then he falls in love. I'm not going to ruin any more of the plot. Very good. The story of triumph, love, and tragedy. I give it five and a half bottles out of a six-pack because it made me cry, but that's because I realized I was out of beer and package stores were closed. Um, guys... WXCI, great. I got a call. I'm out. Thank you, Eugene Kehoe. See you. So yeah, thank you, Eugene Kehoe, for your contribution to the recommendations here on Public Reading Club from WXCI 91.7 on FM and streaming on WXCI.org. A funny thing happened to me the other day at our local frozen yogurt spot um, right here in Bethel, Connecticut, which is right next door to Danbury, where I live. Earlier in the week, I was recognized by the lady who owns uh, Peach Wave. It's a great place. And uh, she asked me if um, I was the host 
of the uh, the local hockey podcast that uh, I do with uh, my engineer and producer here, Patrick Frenette. I I am in fact that person, and she just let let me know how much she liked the show. I let her know how much I liked Peach Wave, which is a great frozen yogurt spot, and uh, I'm a little addicted. And um, I go back in there today. And what I find is that she's got this huge stack of books behind the counter. And they're Lee Child books and, uh, I mean, uh, several different people. She comes, uh, also, a, a book by James Patterson, which was really written by Mike Lupica. It's out right now. It's called uh, The House of Wolves, Murder Runs in the Family. And this is a... Um, a new book by the great sports writer Mike Lupica, which has been co-signed by James Patterson, uh, as James Patterson is known to do. So I wanted to say two things. I was super blown away that Patricia uh, actually reads 80 books a year. And I posted that on our Instagram at, at Public Reading Club. So that's another thing I wanted to do. I want to connect with the people who are out there in the wild reading and I've done that, um, you know, with people like Eugene who call in and uh, uh, Ron Evans, who's who's a prolific reader who lives here uh, in the Danbury area. Also, um, you know, uh, Alan Patrone, who sent us the very first book recommendation. But uh, I'm going to treat what just happened at Peach Wave uh, kind of like a book recommendation because Patricia gave me a book that has the, the the book is the house of wolves murder runs in the family uh by james patterson and mike lupica okay so the thing about it is there's a note written on a habitat for humanity pad um taped to the front of the book and patricia tells me that the note written on the front of the book um uh, and this particular stack of books came from uh, a friend of hers who was also a former teacher who reads so much that sometimes she buys the same book twice. And in this case, she did with House of Wolves, and it was among that pile. But uh, I'm just going to read what it says here from, uh, I guess, the anonymous recommender uh, who had this book prior to Patricia giving it to me today because there were two of it in the stack and she uh, kind of passed it off to me so uh, the note reads this is an unusual book for Patterson it's okay but not his best I guess sports enthusiasts will be more impressed uh, so there you have it uh, I've only heard good things about uh, James Patterson and Mike Lupica's House of Wolves from one other reader um, there's uh, a little bit of buzz about it there's kind of a kooky a commercial of both Lupica and Patterson howling, uh, promoting the book, and uh, I know their wives are writing books together, or they're they're um, kind of beginning to to collaborate somehow. But yeah, uh, it's it's definitely an interesting pairing of two. You know, it's like kind of a. Uh, as it says on the inside cover, James Patterson and Mike Lupica are the thriller dream team. Just to talk about Mike Lupica a bit, he's a great sports writer, and I had the uh, the honest, honest to God truth, it was an honor 
to kind of work with him briefly while I worked at the Daily News uh, over 10 years ago. But uh, this is an interesting collaboration. Mike Lupica did write kind of thriller, crime stuff um, many years ago. I'm not exactly sure when his first um, book came out that was like a fictionalized book. He's a prolific sports writer that had a column in the New York Daily News for many years and was on ESPN with his own show. He had a lot of... I guess he had many years where he really just focused on sports writing, but uh, he, he wrote many books. Uh, adult series, the Peter Finley series, I guess that appeared in 1986. So he had three books, uh, Dead Air, Extra Credits, uh, Limited Partner. Uh, those last two came out in 1990. So, you know, he's, he's had a prolific career as a writer. It was interesting to see him. Uh, kind of go in this direction working with Patterson he himself Lupica has written many of um, kind of the legacy books that have come out from Robert B. Parker uh, including the Jesse Sohn series which I think he's working on now um, but he's also written Spencer and he's written Sonny Randall so um, it's interesting to see them collaborating I'm sure that you know this is a this is a book that's readily available at supermarkets and uh, drugstores all over town, and I, I you know I, maybe I will crack into it, but uh, I just wanted to bring a book to this show that was out there in the wild. I would have actually loved to have read all the notes on uh, the ladies' books on the air here, and maybe if um, Patricia hears this in time, she'll save the notes. And uh, I'll, I'll read the whole book, uh, book cover notes on the air. But yeah, um, I think there's a lot of that I'd like to bring to the show too. So if you've discovered people out there in the wild, um, you know, I, I, I'm really interested in hearing from readers as well as writers. Um, we've been so lucky on this episode, we had Lawrence Block. Uh, this is a writer that I have spent just many years admiring. You could probably tell that I was super nervous uh, interviewing him because there's just, um, there are writers that encapsulate things that are really dear to you. And when you get the opportunity to interview somebody like that, um, it, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's a big task. You know what I mean? I could have, I probably would have had a better chance like trying to write some, you know, epic uh, biography of him or academic paper than I would actually just talk to him face to face and try and broadcast it to all of you but I did and I hope people do check out the autobiography of Matthew Scudder and all the Matthew Scudder books if you're into the old New York uh, you know I use the expression the dirt under the fingernails type of people that are you know out there on both sides of crime you'd really like the Matthew Scudder series and um, that's from Lawrence Block and the autobiography of Matthew Scudder is uh, I've gonna say it's a really special book just very different from uh, kind of the the gritty street tales that um, really make up uh, a lot of exciting 
material from from block so it was great to have them on i was really grateful for um patricia uh kind of letting me uh take a copy of the house of wolves and uh walk away with the note here uh but if any of you have book recommendations please send them to us uh we have really started to get to a point where the show is starting to pick up we have some good guests planned uh i've been dropping hints on the instagram about who's coming on and about future shows so stay tuned to public reading club and uh we'll be back with more thanks again for coming by Public Reading Club is a production of WXCI 91.7 Danbury Radio, hosted by Matt Caputo and produced by Pat Frenette and Matt Caputo.